the Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current one, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there for home loan solutions that fit your life. Rocket can. Jody Mack here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Let's talk some baseball. We got more than two weeks under our belt now. Let's see what our next guest thinks we can learn from the first two-plus weeks of the season. He follows it every day and writes about it for the New York Times, the national MLB columnist Tyler Kepner joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. Ty, good two weeks or an eh, no big deal two weeks so far? Well, I think it's been pretty fun. Um, you know, I, I think we, we were so uh, worried during the, the lockout that we wouldn't get to this point um, that it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun, you know. Like, they, they really threatened to take it away and did take it away for 99 days. Um, but we're going to have 162. And, and so I think, you know, just having baseball back is, is, is pretty good. It seems like the uh, home runs aren't qu- flying quite so much in the early going. Um, and, uh, you know, so I like the, the pitching aspect of it. Still, you know, had a, had a lot of short outings by the pitchers, but that's kind of what you expect. And Mets are playing great. And uh, so that's pretty exciting in New York. And, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, there's something to watch every day. Um, and, uh, and and that's, that's fun for me. You led me into one of my early questions, the home run rate being down. Now, it's not drastic, but it's significant, and it's very early. Like I said, most teams have played 14, 15, 16 games, so it's not a huge sample. We're less than 10% into the season, but the numbers are down a little bit. What is your best-guess scenario as to why we're not seeing the ball fly out of park at the rate we have the last couple seasons? Well, it could be as simple as, as just uh, you know a little bit of randomness plus the, the cold weather. Um, Plus the you know the fact that all the all the all the balls are being stored in, in humidors now and in all the all the ballparks to uh, sort of standardize that um, you know they had had it in uh, in, in Colorado first and uh, I think Arizona maybe um, but so you know maybe that's having a, a, an impact a little bit um, but I think you know we'll obviously need to see once things get warmer um, guys can still hit uh, the you know the the big tape measure home runs for sure. Um, but no, maybe, maybe the, the humidor thing is, uh, is a big reason for it. Maybe MLB changed the balls again. Um, that always seems to be a, a theory of the people who actually use those baseballs for a living. Um, so I wouldn't dismiss that entirely. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's something to, to keep an eye on because you're seeing a lot more, I think, um, just anecdotally anyway, it seems like there's a lot more two, nothing, three, nothing kind of games, um, this year. But then again, we had a twenty-one nothing game today too. So uh, you know that's the, that's the beauty of baseball. We can still see uh, anything on any given night. Agreed. We're talking to Tyler Kepner here with us on CBS Sports Radio. Um, the 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 humidor thing, because I've seen others postulate that could be a big reason for it, because it is uniform across the board. Why wasn't that done previously? Once they decided humidors were a good thing, I understand why they did them in Colorado because of the altitude, but once they okayed that being a way to store baseballs and have them uh, in a specific condition for the game, why didn't it become uniform across the board for all stadiums and all teams? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I never thought to ask it. Um, So maybe it was just one of those things where people just looked at it as a Denver thing and everything's a little bit different there. Um, and, and no one thought to ask it. Um, maybe it was a logistical thing about, about getting it in every ballpark, but there are a lot of those things in baseball where, um, 
it takes a while, but then people sort of realize, well, why does it have to be this way? Like, should, shouldn't it, logic prevails um, when for years no one even thought of something? Um, for example, we were on the bench the other day with the uh, Giants talking to Gabe Kapler, and he was saying, like, you know, we were talking about that, that Mets-Diamondbacks play, uh, you know, earlier in the week where um, you know, the Mets runner broke for second um, when, they, when they were appealing, the Diamondbacks were appealing a play at third. And, the, you know, we were all standing around thinking, like, why why can't the umpire – the umpire knows if the player left early. Why is it on the team to have to appeal it? Like, it's so it's so weird. Like, um, so some of these things – it's a little bit off your, off your question, but I think there's a lot of things in baseball where if you sit back and really think, why is it that way, it doesn't make much sense. So the humanor thing, yeah, it probably should have been – once they started doing it in Denver, they probably should have started doing it everywhere just to standardize things. Um, but it didn't. It did, took a long time for that to happen. No, well, it is in place. Now we'll see if it has a length, uh, season-length effect on home runs being down. Could any of this because be because Pitchcom is working exactly the way it's supposed to and players are not getting signs and or getting uh, look-ahead information as to what pitch is coming? What have you heard about the effectiveness of Pitchcom and who's using it, who's not? Is it that great, or is it something that uh, we need to give a lot more time before we have a definitive answer on what it accomplishes? Yeah, I think there still has to be a lot more time, um, you know, because pitchers can still tip um, – Obviously, you know, with, with, with how they move their glove or their hands or all those old-fashioned ways, and there's still always going to be pitchers who players who can, who can uh, you know, just decipher that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, the pitch comp does seem to, you know, be a pretty, again, another one of those events that's like, oh, why didn't people think of that sooner? Um, not everybody's using it. Um, but so I think, you know, the jury's still out on, on, on its overall effect. But I think the first couple weeks, um, you know, it, 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 it surprised me how, quickly it has caught on I, I think a lot of times these things uh meet with some resistance early but um you know again not everybody's using it but it seems like it's, it's caught on a little more than i would have thought for uh, a new innovation this this early right and those players that you've had to talk to about it being catchers and or pitchers i've not seen anybody complain about it i've seen one or two say wow this makes things so much easier uh, but not a, a ton of those either did it just incorporate that quickly? The people got used to it, and now they're kind of second nature that they're using it, or are you getting better or different feedback than I'm reading elsewhere? No, yeah, that, that, that's how, uh, you know, what, what I've been hearing, too, is, is that, um, you know, they, they, the, the guys who use it don't seem to find any, any uh, reason not to like it. You know, it, it seems like it, it was a pretty well thought out and, and um, you know, pr- pretty pretty cool system. So, I, you know, it. You still see a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the number flashing to the catcher when there's a guy on second. What set of signs are we using and whatnot? But um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 pretty logical, and um, you know, it's it's probably uh, probably here to stay until mm-hmm. someone hacks into it and then, and then you know, <laughs> figures out some way to. <laughs> to, to All right. All right, since we're not looking at the uh, only optimistic side of things, good for you, Tyler Kepner. Um, two incidents the last couple of days. Last night in San Diego, some fool threw a uh, beer can onto the field near uh, Cody Bellinger, the Dodgers, and again, a, an eruption in Yankee Stadium. Last play of the game, Yankees getting a win and walking off, and some foolish uh, Yankee fans threw some stuff onto the field at Orlando Mercado outfield for the Guardians. Uh, early season mishaps 
hopefully not a trend. Uh, you never like when the fans act up and it, uh, it shows poorly for an entire fair fan base, and that's not fair when that happens. Why back-to-back exposures of poor fan behavior this weekend? Yeah, probably just randomness. I mean, you know, we, we both, uh, you know, see plenty of fans, um, you know, get, get a little bit unruly when the beer starts flowing. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe we'll just go back to COVID days where, where they have no fans and cut those cardboard cutouts <laughs> always stay in line. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's full capacity this year for the first time in a while. Um, so maybe fans are just happy to be out there and, and making themselves heard in, in, in the wrong ways. But, um, you know, at, at least there are fans in those stadiums. There's not many in Oakland these days. Uh, so they've been, that's been really eye-opening to see. I mean, I know um, people, and I've been following baseball very closely for 40 years, but um, the, the, only, the only thing I can remember, like the Oakland situation, where there's pretty much no fans in this stadium, is, uh, you know, Montreal in the last few years there. Um, but I know, you know, Oakland was through this in the, in the late seventies when they would draw, you know, uh, 2000 people a night. And it was like that at the can- at candlestick park, you know, a little bit. So it happens sometimes, but it's really pretty sad to see out there at Oakland where, you know, they would love to have problems containing all their, all their fans. And now they, they barely True. even get any anymore. That's pretty sad. You're right. And Oh, by the way, the A's aren't, haven't been as bad as I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be hideously bad with how badly they took that team apart, and they're actually playing okay baseball, but the Oakland fans are smart enough to know uh, what's going to happen over the long run in the season. What kind of effect is that going to have on the continued attempt to get a stadium built out there? Uh, you know, I've, I've written about that. I think we've all sort of taken our turns writing about that and looking into that, and it just never happens. I mean, it's it is such, you know, imagine how tedious it is for the fans and the, and the people out there who, you know, work for the A's and follow that team. It's just been, it's been the same old story for 20 plus years. Um, you know, they, they come up with sites and, and they get optimistic and then it just never worked out. You know, the, the Oakland works with them on things and then that's not enough for the A's or, or vice versa. They just can never agree to anything. Um, and I don't know that it's going to be real easy in Vegas either. Um, you know, they've spent a lot of public money there for, for, um, the Raiders. And, and I don't know if, if they're going to give Oakland, the Oakland A's everything they want. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, I think if there were an easy solution, they certainly would take it right now. Um, but this situation has lingered. And, and the bigger picture is, is that the Oakland and to a lesser extent, the Tampa situations, but I think both of them have really held up the game, um, from growing the way it wants to, you know, they, 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 they have not, there's not been an expansion, since 1998, I personally think 30 teams is enough, but um, I know the commissioner wants 32, and you know it talks about it as a growth industry, but they cannot expand until they resolve the Oakland and Tampa stadium situations because you need those other cities for leverage, and you know you can't, you, you just you can't have two teams in bad situations and then expand. It's just it's just uh, holding the whole whole industry hostage in that regard. All right, let's go back to the optimistic side of things. Earlier today, Miguel Cabrera became the 33rd member of the 3,000-hit club, an even more exclusive club of uh, players with 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. Aaron Mays, Palmero, Pujols, A-Rod, and Eddie Murray. That's pretty good company that uh, Mr. Cabrera's uh, keeping. Two active guys, Pujols and Miggy, and uh, both are still contributing to their teams, just not the way they used to. They're both guaranteed Hall of Famers, probably first ballot Hall of Famers. Who's the better hitter, Miggy or Albert? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Cabrera has a higher career average now, um, just because Pujols' angel years brought his average so far down. I mean, I think Albert was a 328 hitter his first go around of those first 11 years with St. Louis, and then uh, it slipped all the way, you know, to I think 297, 298 now. Um, whereas Cabrera is at 310, but he still got a couple years left. Um, Obviously, it's more than about batting average. I, I, my instinct is to say Pujols, um, just because those years with the Cardinals were so consistent and so good. Um, but if you look at it, Cabrera had a longer prime. I mean, if we're talking uh, Pujols, I think his really high-impact years, um, elite years, were 2001 through 2011. Um, so that's 11 seasons. Cabrera, though, did it. You know, that half season in, in 03 when he came up and won the World Series. Give him credit for that. And then 04 through 16 were just phenomenal. So that's really 13 and a half, 14 years where he was at his peak. He didn't have quite the power that Pujols had. But, I mean, here's a guy who won the Triple Crown. Albert never did that. Here's a guy who, you know, could hit 44 home runs in a year. Um, certainly a member of the 500 home run club. Now, Albert's higher. Albert's, you know, in the high 600s. Um, but I may have to go Cabrera just because I think he had more great years than Albert did. They've both been phenomenal players, and as I said, first ballot Hall of Famers, but it's amazing that they are so similar in what they accomplished, what they've done, their type of game, and they're both uh, playing out the string at the same time and putting some very impressive numbers and joining some very elite groups at the same exact time. I, and one other I, thing about about Miguel that I I, I want to say that doesn't that sure. I haven't even written, but it just occurs to me, like you know, he gets knocked a lot. Um, if you look at wins above replacement, um, you know, for his defense, right? Um, his his WAR number is a lot smaller. It's a lot lower than I would have thought. It's, it's under seventy, um, still Hall of Fame level. But look at Cabrera, though. I mean, he came up as a third base. He came up as a shortstop um, in the minors, like a lot of guys do. But he he came up with the Marlins to a team that won the World Series. Um, and played the outfield. He never played the outfield before. You know, Jack McKeon, I talked to him on the phone the other day, he put him in right field in the playoffs, and he was just fine, and they won. Um, he played third base for a bunch of years. He played first base for a bunch of years. And even if you don't win a lot of gold gloves, I still think there's a value in that versatility and that athleticism to be able to do that. Like Pete Rose, you know, was the same way. Like, I don't know if Pete ever won a gold glove. He was not known for his defense, but he could be a adequate um, major league starter at a bunch of different positions, and that ultimately helps the team. So I think Cabrera and Gary Sheffield the same way. You know, he, he played third base, he played right field, he played left. He didn't play him at elite levels, but he was able to play representative defense um, at a number of positions. And ultimately, I think that that really helped uh, the Marlins win that series, and it helped the Tigers, um, you know, have a great run there um, in his prime. We've got about a week to go before things start to get a little tight in baseball. And I'm not talking about the schedule or the standings. They are what they are. We've had a lot of teams sticking right near the middle. We've only got a handful of teams that are more than three games over 500 or three games under 500. We'll start to separate a little bit. And part of it could be in a month they are going to cut the rosters by two spots. And the extra two spots have been uh, populated by extra pitching for this first month of the season because of the shortened spring training, because of the condensed season. And still, I check MLB trade rumors every single day. IL, IL, IL. There are so many guys on IL. 
is there a team with an advantage that it comes to pitching depth or the way they handle pitching that when it gets there's a little little wiggle room now because of two extra roster spots when it gets cramped is there a team that you think's got an advantage over the others well the first thing i think of is the mets just because they're already down uh jacob de and and their pitching has been fantastic so you know you talk about depth they're already um using it now and they've gotten great starts from Tyler McGill and, and David Peterson and uh and obviously Carrasco and Bassett and, and of course Scherzer have been great. So um to, to to get off to as good a start as the Mets have without DeGrom um certainly speaks well about their their depth. Um you know, we saw the Giants in New York. I saw a few of those games this week. Um you know, they they roll out a lot of a lot of different relievers, um, you know, with these expanded roster, and they, you know, they all look pretty good, um, and their rotation's been been very strong too. So, um, you know, I, I think those are a couple teams that that, that stand out. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of really good pitching uh, in the, in the game. Um, it's just a lot of it's for you know for short bursts. Um, so, but that's going to be a huge question. Um, you know, which teams can. Uh, whether these injuries and where these injuries are are, are going to crop up, you know we've lost uh, John Means to Tommy John surgery. Um, Casey Mize is on the DL, and obviously uh, Degrom, and and the list goes on. Um, but uh, you know it's it the Mets are are, are are one team that I do think is well equipped. In addition to catching him in the New York Times, writing about Major League Baseball by the end of the year, you'll be able to create uh, catch his newest novel. What uh, what do you got cooking? It's uh, already in the books. Where's it sit? If it's going to be out by October, perfect timing, uh, by the way. What would be the name of that book, uh, Tyler Kepner? Yeah, well, I'm not a novelist, so it is, it's true. It's it's, it's uh, nonfiction is, is my area. Um, but yeah, it's called the grandest stage. It's about the history of the world series. And, uh, it's, it's, I take a look at the world series with, uh, you know, seven sided look at seven different aspects of, of the series that have made it so special and memorable over the years. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of stories that stories behind the stories, you know, the stories that you know so well, and they, a new, uh, you know, a new look at a lot of them. So I, it's, uh, it was a lot of fun to, you know, go down memory lane with a lot of these, uh, these guys, you know, sort of the famous guys, Reggie Jackson, Mike Schmidt, Dennis Eckersley, to some of the more obscure guys um, who who made their mark in the series. So it's uh, it's coming out October 11th. You can pre-order it now. Thanks for mentioning it. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Just in time for the World Series. What was your uh, personally viewed best World Series moment ever? Oh man, um, probably. I mean, I've seen the last. I haven't missed a World Series game in 20 years, and I've been to a bunch more before that. Um, I think seeing seeing that Cardinals um, that Cardinals comeback from down to their last strike in back-to-back innings against the Rangers um, while facing elimination was just something we've never seen before. I mean, you, you know, to, to come back from down to your last strike is so rare, and then to do it the next inning as well. Um, was just extraordinary. Um, seeing the Cubs win it all for the first time in, in forever, and the White Sox and the Red Sox, same thing. I mean, I could go down the list, but that one jumped out to me. And also the the last Giants championship when Baumgartner, uh, you know, got uh, Perez to fly uh, to pop up after the uh, crazy Alex Gordon play. Um, that was just so exciting, edgier seat stuff there, because uh, you know you you knew you knew Perez could take him deep and win the series. Uh, you know, so there was so much tension there, and um, and 
Bumgarner came out on top. That was true greatness, and that's what we tune in to watch. For me, it was when the ball went through Buckner's legs. I was a fan in the stands for that one. And the funny thing about it is now you and I are getting of a certain age. um, Certain fans just believed that it was game seven, and they don't know or realize or have forgotten that it was only game six. He had to go back again the next night if he wanted to see the Mets win a World Series. But, yes, I was lucky enough to be in the stands when the ball went through Buckner's legs. So that one's been kind of tough to – top, uh, and even though it was uh, several years ago. Tyler, I'm very much looking forward to your book. Oh, before the book comes out, I'm going to have you back on many times during the season. Thanks for coming on with us tonight. All right, Jody. Always enjoy it. Thanks. My pleasure. Tyler Kepner, uh, MLB national columnist for the New York Times here with us on CBS Sports Radio. So we'll keep baseball in the conversation added to the NBA upcoming NFL draft. We be bopped around to plenty tonight. You tell me where you want to go now. 855-212-4227. Jay Mack here with you on CBS Sports Radio.